introverts do like people and they need people. It's just how much, right? So people were saying they were feeling isolated, um, but it was socialization, but it was also collaboration on projects. So, you know, that, that sort of extemporaneous or I should say spontaneous kind of walk by, you know, we talk about the lack of the water cooler chat where you're learning about the context of what other departments and other people are doing. And that's how related to your topic, people build relationships. Welcome to the Connected Leadership Podcast, hosted by Andy Lapata, the show where Andy and his guests explore the many ways in which relationships impact business decisions, make leaders' jobs easier, and help you to progress your career. Welcome to the Connected Leadership Podcast. I'm Andy Lapata. Thank you very much for joining me. The topic this week is quite a hot topic. It's one that I get asked about a lot. And over the years, the interviews I've conducted with one of my guests have been among the most popular on my YouTube channels and on the Global Networking Show, an earlier podcast that I co-hosted with Dr. Ivan Meisner. So I know that this is likely to be of interest to many regular listeners of the podcast. The topic is introversion and extroversion. And in particular, how do we build relationships with people who may be of a different personality type to us? How do we understand those personality types? And how do we build teams around people with different personality types? My guests for the conversation were Jennifer Conweiler from New York. Uh, Jen, as I mentioned, I've known for around a decade. We met at a conference in Vancouver uh, and we've... Uh, had a number of interviews on on the topic, all of them very well received. And John Baker, a former president of the London Professional Speakers Association, who I've also known for a number of years, a self-professed introvert who specialises in this topic. We started out by looking at the impact of the last 18 months on uh, introverts and on building relationships. I've talked a lot about this recently and how being outside the office may, may, may have made it difficult for people to build professional relationships, particularly with colleagues and senior people in their place of work. But I have been approached by some people who have said, well, actually, as an introvert, I've preferred it because I don't want to be having those water cooler conversations. I don't want to be um, around people in the office. I like my own space and I can build relationships online. So I started out by asking Jennifer and John just what they thought about what the pandemic has brought um, over the last 18 months for introverts. When I say obviously the pandemic, I mean the lockdowns, uh, putting, <laughs> I wouldn't want to put COVID in a positive light, uh, but the lockdowns themselves, were there um, certain positives to take out of that for introverts? I think things have changed over the course of the 18 months. What we, we, what we do is we work with um, introverted clients and organizations to try to harness and unleash the talent of their introverted workforce. And I think um, uh, one trend that happened was that people, because of the whole push towards diversity, inclusion, and equity, there's more awareness that we can't make these decisions going back to hybrid or whatever we decide without really understanding there are nuances. As you mentioned, not every A introvert is like B introvert, right? So there's questions that we need to ask. But overall, our research showed um, that through the through the last two years that it almost is two years uh, that introverts are very pleased with 
uh, with this type of a, a situation where they have flexibility. I would say that's true for women. I'd say that's true for a lot of groups where we were uh, we we were talking about these options uh, for many, many years. And now we had to go there. And I think a lot of organizations realize and individuals, including introverts, very much so, that this really suited their propensity to um, work on their own time to um, not necessarily have many interruptions. That's we heard that a lot. There was a, there's been a lot of feedback on. I really can get a lot more done. So that element of focus is um, is very primary in this whole win. I think of of what's happened. I can also tell you that there's been um, as the improv people say uh, both b- both and right. There's also been challenges that I think w- if we keep those in mind, we can really navigate around them. And one of them. Um, has to do with the lack of connection. And one one interesting uh, stat that came out, I think it was almost 50% of the introverts who, who overall really, I say, liked remote work. We, ha- we surveyed 200 people that self-identified as introverts. Many of them, uh, almost half, said that they missed that um, opportunity to um, get to know people outside of their function, outside of their team. There were a lot of meetings, you know, Zoom fatigue. We talked about Zoom, Zoom, Zoom. But, but the, you know, the chance walk by, you know, another department that you might have in the office, for instance, didn't happen. And, and that's not just from a socialization standpoint, which, by the way, and we can ask John about this being our, our resident introvert on the call, um, you know, that, that introverts do like people and they need people. It's just how much, right? So people were saying they were feeling isolated, um, but it was socialization, but it was also collaboration on projects. So, you know, that, that sort of extemporaneous or I should say spontaneous kind of walk by, you know, we talk about the lack of the water cooler chat where you're learning about the context of what other departments and other people are doing. And that's how related to your topic, people build relationships. So I think from a, you know, I wish I could give you like a concrete yes overall, but I think it's been a great learning opportunity for us. It's really interesting the way you answered that, Jen, because I think it's very easy to come up, and again, we're going to come to the definition of introvert, extrovert shortly, but it's very easy to come up with a stereotype of what an introvert is, what it means to be an introvert. And there's that um, I, I guess the classic in in dramas of the the nerd, the geek behind the computer keyboard who never wants to go out and so forth. And so when mm-hmm. someone said to me, "Well, actually, I don't want to do my water cooler networking. This is great for me," that might not represent every introvert. And um, you know, when I talk to people about introverts networking, I say, "Well, don't go to the big event where it's loud and there's lots of people, but have lots of one to one conversations." And you're saying that's missing. Uh, and John, I can see you nodding along with that what's your take on on that particular part of it that relationship building element and whether it how it has changed over the last 18 months well i, I think coming back to that um my answer very similar to jen there's a big yes and a big no in, in the whole thing um first of all my survey similarly to to jen's would show that there were many introverts who go it's great we don't have to be in the office all the time we don't have to be faced with loads of people thrusting themselves in front of us and interrupting at the same time. Um, and, and I came up with 45%. So we're not that dissimilar, Jen, which yeah. was where introverts are going, you know what? 
I'm really missing people. I'm really missing the connections with people. And so what I what I found with those people is that, and, and I'm going to put, I'm going to talk about myself there because I can put myself straight into that forty five percent, which was I'm an introvert. And yeah, there was from a networking perspective, the last eighteen months in some ways have been phenomenally good. But let's talk about what's good about them. And let's talk about what's not been so good. So the good things have been relationships where I've already known people. I've, I've deepened those quite specifically because I've done, and I know you talk about this a lot, Andy, which is to reach out to people in your network and spend quality time with them. And that's been a deliberate act. And that's mm-hmm. been really, really useful. And Zoom, Zoom or whatever system we want to talk about has been great for doing that. At the same time, I have actually got to say I've missed some of the events where you meet up with people. And I like being with people at times and in my small little amount, in my little way. And I have missed the the connection. So the relationships I've got, which were important to me, I have developed well, as have 45% of people I've spoken to about this. The relationships which you might have gained otherwise by going to events many people have actually really missed that. And so I think there's yeah, definitely a good big yes and a no. And I think it really does come back to this, you know, we all like being with people at times, maybe in different degrees. And and as as you implied, no introvert, no one introvert is exactly the same. And there's a scale on all of these things. And, and it's and, picking up on what you've said there, John, and also what uh, I think it was Jen said about the ability to focus in a focused environment. I mean, I I, I would have cl- classified myself as an extrovert for much of my life, and I think that most people who see me in in professional circumstances would think I'm an extrovert. I've noticed myself become more and more lean more and more towards introversion over the years in many of the the the, the ways that I I. I I draw energy and we'll come on to that. Um, but going back 15 years or more uh, in my last business, I took myself away from the office to work from home because I couldn't focus in the office. Uh, mm-hmm. And I still needed that human connection, but I was running a business network. So I was at a networking group every morning, four mornings a week. I had plenty of connection. So uh, I saw John wince there, and I was there. That was my job, uh, to run them. Uh, um, yeah, this is why. No, Andy, I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm just, I remember really having to negotiate and make this whole business case each time I wanted to do that as a, as a learning development professional, that I could just stay home one day and work on the damn thing, you know, and not have to sit in the office with all of this distraction. Even extroverts need that focus. So that's what I'm saying. I think now we're, we have organizations much more open to that possibility of flexibility. Yeah, don't you think? I think the, flex, the flexibility, I think, is incredibly important. And then, yeah. you know, in a way, building on from the, the networking example and coming back to it, but the way we run a lot of projects, I think, is something which companies are starting to realize we don't need yeah. to have everybody in the room all the time because it yeah. wastes huge amounts of time. There are stages of most projects where you need to have, and the last 18 months have made this worse, you need to have the connections, you need to have people in the room. There are stages in the projects where doing that is a complete waste of time. And those are far better off, those are far better off being done remotely and using some of the project management tools. 
Well, actually, one of the takeaways from my recent conversation with Valerie Belhassan at BNP Paribas was that when people come into the office, because they're, they're going to see a lot more hybrid working as, as things settle down, they need to use that time in the office intelligently and not just have people in the office doing what they would do when they were working from home, just so that they can tick the being in the office box. So uh, as an introvert, if you have more knowledge that you're going into the office with a purpose and you're engaging and connecting with people with a purpose, is that going to help people prepare for that and, and make sure that they're comfortable in the environment and they're going to make the most out of it? Well, to build on John's point help, too yeah. about the meetings, uh, yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that we have learned from our, our research is that stress came out on the positive side, less stress, but more stress from all the virtual meetings, from Zoom fatigue. Yeah. I mean, that's become a term now because uh, to John's point, projects now are really don't we don't. In fact, we don't need to meet all the time, whether we meet in person or on Zoom. Much of the work of creative pursuit comes uh, comes out. It really gets done in individual work. I mean, there's a lot of research around that. So are we really consciously thinking about whether or not we even need to meet? You know, and then when we do meet, are we employing things like good meeting hygiene with agendas? And most companies, most groups are not doing that. And this is exhausting, particularly for introverts, because as you guys were saying, the people time just saps energy. So I think that we have to look at the whole picture. Well, let's 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 pick up on that zapping energy point. And I touched on this briefly. I said we would get to the definitions. I think this is a good time to do it. Uh, and John, you know, as I understand it, I'm not the expert in introverts and extroverts. My conversations over the years with the two of you mean I've probably got a better understanding than I would have had otherwise. But one of my uh, one of the things I understand about it is that one of the things that can define where you are is where you draw your energy from. Can you perhaps elaborate on that a bit for us, please, John? Absolutely. So, as you said, it's about drawing energy and the, the typical, and so we're now going up to one end of the spectrum, the typical extrovert will draw their energy and gain energy when they're in a room full of people. So the kind of networking events which you were doing four days a week, Andy, they will find incredibly energising. Now, the introvert at the other end of the spectrum, and I'll, I'll talk about me because that's just easy rather than putting words in somebody else's mouth, I will go along to them and yeah, I can enjoy it for a while, but very quickly I'll just go, it's like, I mean, the way I look at it is, do you remember Andy, the old uh, Nokia 3310, I think it was one of the <laughs> yeah. first mobile phones I ever had and they were great. They worked, but every time you wanted to talk to people on them, you could almost watch the battery just go. And so you then take it away and charge it up quietly behind. So I, I call the Nokia 3310 like the, the introvert phone. Whereas nowadays, these phones last for hours and can carry on communicating forevermore. So very much, I think, the energy thing, I think that's where I would start with. And that's the, that's the kind of Jungian basis of the whole thing. So that then leads right. to the, the impact of the lockdown on people, because I think for, for most people, however they label themselves, okay, you, you put yourself in there, let me put myself in there, John. I think the first the first lockdown, and I'm, I'm talking UK lockdowns here, because obviously there will be different um, calendars for, for different uh, listeners in different countries, uh, but the first UK lockdown in the spring to summer of 2020 was a relief for me. 
I had been uh, in constant meetings. I'd been going to a lot of events. I was on a course where I was with a group of people for a whole day every uh, every few weeks um, and on calls with them every single week. I was socialising a lot as well. Um, so I was probably out three or four nights a week um, and, and a similar number of days a week. In fact, the you know, I used to say that I, if I'm more than three days a week at my desk or two and a half days, it's too much. And if I'm in more than three evenings a week at home, it's too much. So the first lockdown became a relief for me. It was I could I could stay in guilt free, uh, fear of missing out, FOMO free uh, and and just restore my reserves of energy. Lockdown 2021. Um, post-Christmas last year and into the early months of this year, I found being at home on my own the whole time energy sapping. So I think that there is that element of last year I needed my own space in order to recharge. This year I needed other people in, in order to charge me back up again. Um, so you've got one person coming yeah. from both both sides. Jen. I'd like, I'd like to add something to um, John's basic definition, which I agree with. That's where I always come from on this. But there's been a lot of interesting research. I call it kind of introversion 2.0, 3.0. It's really about brain stim about stimulation, which which aligns with what we're saying, right, John? And and yep. um, how much stimulation can you take? And so the question I always ask people a dear dear deal breaker question. It seems to help when they're trying to figure out am, am I on which side of the you know, bell curve am I on? And as we said earlier, most of us cluster towards the middle. It's like a, you know, we're all kind of towards the middle, but we have a, pre we tend to have a preference. Um, and so what I say is, uh, you know, um, must you have time by yourself after being with people all day or like at that networking function that John was talking about, must you have downtime? And John, you would probably answer what? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, plus, and, Andy, Andy mentioned the, the PSA meetings a little while ago, and we've all, yeah. we've all experienced these meetings which are full of international speakers, absolutely amazing sessions. And after a day of doing this in London, I can promise you that the Sunday and the Monday for two days, I'd be as much use as a chocolate fire guard if I'd tried to do any work. I'm just completely wiped out. Yeah, well, that's a great, great example. Your case number one there, right? Um, but but extroverts will get energized by that, as John, John said. However, I will say that they will go, 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 and then they'll crash, right? Yeah. So the whole idea of they can take more stimulation. And now we have a compelling brain research that talks about the reaction response to dopamine, that extroverts need more of it. So that's why when I come home and an introvert Bill is in the kitchen, you know, cooking quietly with some smooth jazz, and um, the lights I can barely see, and I'm turning the lights on. Hey, Bill, putting up the volume, and and uh, he's like this, you know. And so there's a lot of people that are introverted have very sensitive sensitivity to those sensory that sensory input. So it's quite interesting to look at it from many different with many different layers now, building on what Carl Jung uh, said so brilliantly back in the uh, the early 1900s. So let's let you've both mentioned the, the 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 extremes, if you like, and you've both mentioned where where these this energy comes from. There's there's going to be outliers, of course, but I think, mm -hmm. as I said earlier, we're we're oversimplifying things by saying this person is an introvert, that person is an extrovert. Most of us, I'm sure, 
would have elements of both. I can definitely feel both within my personality in different environments, as I've as I've shared with that that example. How can we use these labels in a constructive way um, to help us understand ourselves and then how to understand other people as well and how to engage with them? John? Um, I mean, I think labels are incredibly incredibly good and incredibly dangerous and i think that's the important thing so quick example i i have this habit at home uh, which drives my other half up the wall and i'll put all the ingredients cake ingredients into plastic tubs and i never bother labeling them because i'll just go yeah that's that and that's that and of course angie comes along and it takes her a whole lot longer to make a cake than it would do if i was doing it myself because i can just i know what stuff is so the labels can be really useful because you can diagnose something much more quickly. But ultimately, you know, it's the label does not define what you're going to make. So in business, being able to spot an introvert, if you like, or an extrovert or somebody in the middle because we have a label can be really useful. But then if we then go, right, because I've said that they are 30% on the scale towards an introvert, I'm now going to apply everything else that goes with that label that becomes incredibly dangerous. So I think the big thing with labels is remember they can be useful for quickly looking, but not to sit there and say, right, this person is going to therefore always be like this. Yeah, and I think the more you are familiar with the material, I would agree with John. I love your example of the ingredients. That's a great one. Um, uh, You know, I think the more you're around it, it's like learning a foreign language. Um, You start to, when you're immersed in it, you're looking through that lens. I'll use another analogy. I look at glass, different pairs of glasses I put on when I'm meeting somebody or talking with them, you know, and even subconsciously, I'm thinking, you know, their age, their cultural background, you know, uh, just all kinds of um, distinguishing factors. And introversion, extrovert, in my mind, because I've been working in this a while, comes to mind. Now, the important thing is, I agree with John, we can't just like typecast people. And a lot of people actually go the other way. It's like, I'm not going to even take the assessment. You know, it's like, okay, you can do that. But I think part of it is really you understanding yourself. Like, Andy, you know, you go back and forth. You know, in what situations you need that alone time, for instance. Um, but you also, the important piece of that, the second part to me that's more, even more important is to communicate that. So people and our teammates and our families and the people we're interacting with are not in, in guesswork mode all the time. So like if we just sort of a basic understanding of these personality types and then we get the elephant out of the room and we say, you know what, I need, you know, I need this time now to not have lunch with the team. I need to, to focus. That's all you have to say. It, it creates, it just minimizes so much of the disconnect and the distrust and the assumptions that people make when we're upfront about this. But that is part of the problem that I see in the workplace. We sort of do all this like guessing about people and make assumptions that are oftentimes very negative. That's, that's such an important point. And it, it, it's made me think that there's the obvious uh, assumptions that people might make in a workplace. So uh, John's, in, you know, rather than John is an introvert, we, we think well, John's a bit sullen. Uh, John is not a team player. Yeah, uh, smiles. And, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, it, when you get to know John, you know that's not the case, but you, because he's, he, he understands he's an introvert and he communicates that. Uh, but we're now moving, well, we're not moving into, we are in a, time that i don't recall like it in 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 my life where mental health issues are 
rightly high on the agenda. There's much more awareness of them. But are we more likely to misdiagnose people as having issues they don't have purely because they they want their own time, they want their own space, they separate themselves from the crowd, they don't take up invites, and and are we going? Are we overcomplicating something that actually might be quite simple and harmless? John, you want to take that one? Yeah, I was going to say I think there's a there, there can be a great danger in that, and um, I was talking to somebody earlier on today, and they said, why do you focus on introvert extrovert rather than and they named half a dozen different personality assessment tools, mm. MBTI, DISC, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And all of those tools are are good. They all have some really good things about them. But to me, if we can start to understand a way of beginning to approach somebody's personality, and for me, introvert, extrovert is two dimensions or one dimension rather than 16, that's a good way to start start thinking about it. From then on, it's about watching, listening. It's about working out what that person is like and being open to that, their likes and dislikes, rather than um, going with our own biases and, oh, you know, as you said, and I've had it said, so Andy, you, uh, and you know I have because we've talked about it. Um, oh, John's John's very quiet, therefore he must be boom, boom, boom. Um, but but it's about understanding that very often that comes from a bias that we've got inside us or society's given us. And right. the the simple answer to the question, Andy, is use a tool as a quick label to perhaps help, but then discard that and work on the person. And if 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 we're going to be better leaders or better networkers is about understanding the person and moving beyond a, a label, but sure, use that label as a quick, oh, yep, it looks like they might be introverted. I'll try and do this and this. And then moving yeah, beyond that and understanding. Exactly. Andy's new book, Just Ask, Why Seeking Support is Your Greatest Strength, is out now. Looking at the importance of asking for help and admitting vulnerability, it is an essential read in challenging times. Order your copy from Amazon and all good book retailers now, or visit andylapata.com forward slash just ask. Um, Andy, I think I must say that um, it's like any other element, as I said earlier, Ben, diversity, inclusion, and equity. If we're ignorant, we're going to be biased. And so one of the positives that I have seen in being in this space for over 12 years now is that um, we have hundreds of, probably thousands now, of coaches that are specializing in this. We have companies that on a daily basis, I'm hearing from organizations where they're starting these employee resource groups, where there's a movement internally to uh, educate people. The fact that we're even having this conversation, when we had it years ago with Ivan, that was a, a, an outlier, right? Because you're, because you're ahead of the curve, Andy. You always are. That's a compliment, by the way. <laughs> I know. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to butter him up. He told me to do that. <laughs> I thought it was so that you would get easier questions. <laughs> um, that's right. So anyway, that's where I think education is very important. And, and it's interesting you talk about that curve and you talk about the the drive within organisations coming from employee resource groups, ERGs. If anyone hasn't come across those, that's like the women's networks, the the Asian mm-hmm. network, the, the, the gay network, whoever, whichever it might be. Um, and, and I find that with a lot of my work as well. Now I'm getting booked by the core business. But for years yes. it's, it's been driven yes. by, by those okay. employee resource groups. Are you finding that that is changing? Are you finding that the key... Uh, 
uh, decision makers in the fun- in the core business units are starting mm-hmm. to to look for this now, or is it still driven by volunteers within the organisation? Oh, that's a great question, Andy, because I w- I was in the same spot. So here's what's happened that I that I've noticed. Um, we've had growing numbers of ERGs, but they are sponsored by more senior leaders, um, and it's been easier through the pandemic. Um, it's been easier to get them to get on the call. So what I decided to do was to create, instead of doing my standard keynote where I talk about introversion, et cetera, and leadership, um, I asked, invite the, the, the uh, group to bring in the highest level introvert that they can find. And we've had CEOs, CFOs who come and do a fireside chat. Now, how impactful is that when people see at that level, you can be an introvert and be very successful. And they talk about the challenges and how they navigate an extroverted world in their culture. Now, to me, that's the most powerful statement. And so, you know, in answer to your question, it's not the thing that's kept up, kept CEOs up at night, but more and more they're self-identifying. And I think it's going to become increasingly part of just a natural way of of um, you know expressing yourself and identifying yourself as a senior leader. It's it's we're still got a little ways to go. Uh, can I give you one more quick example sure. before, sure. before I shut up? Um, I was on LinkedIn the other day where we all spend a lot of time and there was a posting by um, the head of one, the CTO and one of the founders of HubSpot. And he, his first line was not bad for an introverted boy from a village in India. And um, he had just be named, been named one of the mo- more recent billionaires. Okay. So, I mean, I, I think, that wouldn't have been something, John, I think that we would have seen, right, years ago. That, that's, that people are now starting to speak up. I, th- I think you would have seen the introvert achieve it, but they wouldn't have necessarily owned it mm. in the same way. Uh, John, how are you finding it? Are you finding um, that there is an appetite from business uh, units within business um, to find out more about this, or is it coming from the individuals themselves? I- I'm seeing both still. Um I'm, and I'm, I was listening to Jen's example. I thought it was a great example. So I'm seeing more senior people wanting to get involved, more senior people wanting to talk about it, which is brilliant. And I wasn't sure. I mean, the last 18 months, because I've had a couple of things like Jen's where we've been working on a group and they've been able to drag senior people into the discussion, perhaps because it's been on Zoom rather than having to get people into a room. And I'm hoping that, that will now continue and roll into the the old way, of, you know, a, a new hybrid way, shall we say, rather than because they were on Zoom. Actually, it was an easy give to give us give half an hour. But um, so I'm I'm, I'm seeing yeah. some positive signs. Yeah. I'm not yeah. persuaded that it's all there. No, I, I agree with you. However, I think the, that I mentioned earlier, the DIE, whatever we're calling it, all kinds of things. Mm. But um, it's now also that umbrella of the organisation, Andy has embraced different elements of diversity. And the next one they're talking about, which introversion really is a part of, is neurodiversity. So you have Asperger's, learning issues, um, and that's becoming more legitimized. And they're looking for other areas like that to highlight. So I, you know, I think John's right. It's cautious optimism, would you say, John? 
I think that's a great way of summarising it. That, that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, well, okay, let's come back to one of the other topics that I, I touched on uh, at the very beginning. Um, and I've always argued, as I said, that uh, introverts are potentially better networkers than extroverts. Uh, so many introverts have come up to me and said, you know, how do we network? Because their perception of networking is of a big event with lots of noisy people. I've simply said, well, don't go to the event. Just find people and have one-to-one meetings or small group meetings with them. But right. I, th- I feel that introverts tend to be better listeners rather than putting themselves at the centre of everything. And as a result, that's one of the biggest skills in building relationships is to listen to other people. And, and uh, you know, Dale Carnegie said the sweetest sound to any man is the sound of his own name. And the introvert is going to repeat your name, not the extrovert <laughs> so much. Um, so, so, John, what's your your take on that? I mean, I would agree with you, um, but I think it comes back to what you perceive networking to be all about. So I absolutely endorse what you just said. If networking is about results from working with people, I don't think it can be anything else, then I think introverts can make much better networkers. However, and I've got to say, say, go back a number of years when I was still living in big corporate life, doing the flying around Europe and training people and sales teams and all the rest of it, Networking then appeared to be seen as uh, having a large number of people that know you, going to an event where you just speak louder than everyone else and having a bigger stack of business cards than anyone else. And what was the value in that? None at all. But um, if that's what you believe networking is, I'm sure extrovert has an, uh, an advantage. Uh, when one of you does your next uh, survey, I would love to know. So I have a model of the seven stages of professional relationship, which go from where you just recognise each other because you've bumped into each other a couple of times to where you're a friend at stage seven and an advocate at mm. stage six. I would love to see a survey done of where extroverts score their networks and where introverts score their networks because my sense would be that the introverts would be much uh, deeper. The relationships would be much deeper. The number in the network might not be as high, but the strength, the depth of the relationship would be be much higher. Let let me just say the challenge that introverts share with me a lot. And, and And, you know, as an extrovert who likes to schmooze, I like to go to those events to a point, I like to introduce people. Um, I like to connect people like you, Andy. And, and introverts will say to me, I wish I could do that. And I, and to me, that's a natural part of how I act, operate. Um, and they feel like they have to do it that way, you know? Um, but we teach them tricks, and particularly in those group gatherings, mm-hmm. teach folks tricks on how, <laughs> my favorite one is, is introducing two people who don't know each other and you don't know them either, but <laughs> you just say, <laughs> Andy, have you met John? And you slowly move away. That's my favorite one. But um, <laughs> but uh, no, I think that uh, extroverts do, you know, play a play a big role in in being able to connect people. And I think that um, they should it shouldn't be looked at as one is better than the other. I don't even like the question, Andy. I think they do it differently. The challenge I hear a lot from introverts, they say I ha- they hate networking because they look at it with that paradigm of like going to schmooze at these events. And it isn't about that. And what we found in our research on influence with introverts is that they use social media in a very intentional way. And that's been a plus for them if they use it correctly. So getting their brand out there so they have more visibility, connecting with people that interest them, that they're curious about, and doing that online where you don't have to necessarily talk. 
and, and giving it thought about how can I improve my and increase my platform, uh, connect in deeper relationships, like you said, might make a phone call. It might take a phone call after that, you know, initial connection like John and I are going to do, right, John? We're going to have a yep. phone call. Looking forward to that, John. Right. So it's, it's more meaningful. But I think let's not discount the uh, positive and the plus that social media has been for introverts. Well, and I believe that, you know, social media, the original message boards came about because it was introverts, IT geeks, finding oh. a way that they could communicate. So they didn't want to go to these big events. Um, so that's actually where it, it stemmed from originally, I am, I'm told. I've noticed, by the way, Jen, you've stopped buttering me up now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> how, how did, how no, did the next... I went with that was message boards. I was thinking back to college when people used to get rides on the message <laughs> board and they would try to meet people that way. Anyway, yeah. that's, that's how, uh, very extraneous. <laughs> how, did, how did an extrovert like yourself um, come to specialise in understanding introverts? Well, I'm still married 47 years later, mm. and I attribute that to have, I had to learn <laughs> or I was going to go crazy because this guy, we would go to these parties and he would be nice and sociable and then wouldn't talk for a whole evening. I had to learn about uh, how to navigate. Both of us did. And we, we think that was a big plus in our relationship. He's, he's upstairs. I probably won't see him all day. So we're... <laughs> <laughs> so no, that, but, but as I came into the workplace doing a lot of uh, consulting, HR stuff, leadership development, I found that there was um, a not very much knowledge in coaching about introversion. And I found that it was really helpful to clients to have that those insights. I worked a lot in tech. So yeah. you can imagine with engineers IT. And they were so appreciative that it just the ball started going. And I, you know, that's when I ended up writing the first book, The Introverted Leader, back in uh, 2010. Well, let's let's pick up on, on on this point about lots of engineers because we often associate certain functions with either introvert or extrovert traits. I mean, the most obvious extrovert function might be a sales role would be a very obvious one. There are other obvious ones as well. Um, I, I remember I've done a lot of work with act the actuarial profession, and I remember the first time I gave a talk for the Institute of Actuaries, um, someone told me that, you know, said to me, how do you tell an, an outgoing and extrovert actuary? They look at the other person's shoes. Uh, so... Um, and I and I actually told that joke in the talk, and it went down okay. <laughs> it seemed to it. They rebooked me anyway. Um, so, and, and actually, you know, we we all uh, come from a profession, professional speaking, as a core of what we each do, um, that is often associated with extrovert tendencies. John, I know you're an introvert. I've already shared where I'm. I'm uh, an ambivert, I think the term is. Um, I know a number of the top speakers in the world who are self-professed introverts. Mm -hmm. So how how true are those stereotypes and how can we use them constructively? John, do you well, want to think, on that? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that like all, like all these things, there is, of course, going to be some truth in them. Um, you know, there's some logic in the fact that, you know, the accounting one is, a, is another one. You mentioned actuaries. I, I used to work a lot with accountants. And there is a stereotype that accountants are all introverts. However, I know a vast number of brilliant accountants who are not. Mm. But if I if I went through the list of all the accountants I could even remember and toted it up, I would have to say that there are more introverts in that profession than, than extroverts. So is the label useful? Well, 
Maybe. Maybe it helps us to prepare if we were going to give a presentation to or if we we're going to do some work with a group. Is it useful because it's true? No. And I think that's probably the same for many others. The, the classic one is, and I've been told it before, when people have said to me, John, you can't possibly be an introvert because you like standing up on stage and speaking. And, of course, everyone knows that all speakers are extroverts, don't they? Uh, except they're not. You know, they're not. Running, well, running the, the PSA in London, suddenly you get some fantastic international speakers come back, come over, and they're going up on stage and you suddenly realise, wow, that really isn't extroverted behaviours that he or she is displaying when they're not in front of the crowd. Yes. And, and that, that's yes. true for many of them. And Absolutely. last weekend I was uh, running the green room for a folk festival and, you know, great people up on stage, some fantastic bands, great music, really nice weekend. And yet there we are again. Oh, singers and presenters and, and performers, they're all extrovert, except no, they're not. We one, one thing I was just going to say about that, that I have been told, John, and you can validate this or not, is that, um, and, and I agree with you, professors, performers, um, oftentimes are more introverted. And it's because what I've learned, or I've heard, is that you play a role. You know what the role, two things, you know what the role is. And when you're on stage, you can be in that role and, and, and be very clear about that. The other thing is the preparation. So the preparation allows you to be in the moment and to maybe even seem like you're extroverted, but it's because you've prepared so well to do that. So I, I wondered if you would agree with that. Yeah. I think it becomes a bit of a safe place as well, doesn't it? You're, you're in your, your zone, your comfort zone. And actually when you're, you're on the stage, you are on your own. You're, you're not, uh, I think the best speakers engage in a conversation, but you're, you have control of that conversation yeah. and that probably makes a big difference as well. One, thing one, we one speaker I was uh, interviewing yeah. said just that. He said it is the most introverted place he spends his time. He's up on the stage and he is there. And there's a large element. And you mentioned the control word, Andy. Large element of that. Very ah, true. Yeah. Yes. It's counterintuitive, isn't it? You wouldn't mm. necessarily think that way. But I, I would say that also you're engaging everybody in your audience more if you're, in, if you're using introverted qualities like pausing. Like, um, you know, you see, ex you see speakers who are a little more extroverted and anxious and when they're not getting a response, what do they do? They speak faster, they speak louder, they keep going. And that's even more of a turnoff to the introverts in the room because they don't embrace silence. They can't even handle that. But the introverts I find are much, they're used to silence. They're okay if we don't get an immediate reaction. They can let it settle. And I've learned that from my introverted uh, colleagues. It's been a real lesson, a real positive lesson. I, I, I think I think reflecting back on your the two of your answers to that question, it really goes back to John's answer earlier, is the understanding that accountants or actu actuaries typically might be more introverted helps you when you approach it, but then treat everyone as an individual. So when I'm um, planning a talk for actuaries i will think i'm going to get less engagement less interaction from the audience people will step put their hands up less if I, if it's a talk for sales professionals they're going to be more demanding they're vocally oh, yes. more demanding that helps me prepare and i have been surprised i think in every audience by the behavior of people that don't fit that and it you know that goes to john's uh use it as a guide but not as a prescription 
Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And then be there and be yeah. be open to what's happening, right? So it allows you to do that when you have that uh, that presence. And as you said, Jen, introverts will tend to prepare a lot more so that they can be in that moment. And it's, yes. it's again, I've, I've often said when people say to me, well, how can you tell if somebody's an introvert? And the preparing or winging it is not part of the union thing but where i've done survey after survey i've seen again and again that introverts tend to much more uh, prepare introverts extroverts are much happier to wing it mm-hmm. yes yeah that that would fit as well so we've got these different personality styles which lead to different behavior this is the connected leadership podcast so let's have our last question focus on bringing that all, all together as a leader if you lead a team with a mix of personality styles how can you create an even playing field so that everyone feels that they've got their opportunity to shine uh, if you're an extrovert leader, how do you make the introverts comfortable and vice versa uh, as well? And also so that you can play off the, the respective strengths of each group. Jen, do you want to come in on that? I can I can briefly comment on that. I, I think it's a, it's good leadership practice, especially now since we have a lot of remotes still going on. It's getting uh, it's getting to know your people individually and finding out what it is they need and want and how they best like to communicate. That's number one. So that you can then, when you are with the group, you can, uh, or even with them individually, you can adapt your, your style. And number two, as I had mentioned earlier, to have encourage people to express that, create structures where they can do that to each other. Um, there was one uh, document that Google, Google uh, developed which um, actually is a user's guide that I have. I put in my last book. It's, it's available online, where people just say a couple of ways in which they like to be uh, communicate with, whether it's written or et cetera. And it gives very specific uh, guidelines, a user guide. It makes sense, right, to avoid a lot of the disconnects. So I think as a leader, um, you can do that by encouraging that interpersonal connection as well as you supporting people and not making it. Uh, as one company uh, said, they called it loudership as the norm. Loudership, I like that. <laughs> I'm getting over that word. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and from John, the quiet leader? Um, I would start with help the team very much the same. Help the team understand each other's styles and the plus and minuses of those styles. I, and Jen made a, a great point about the, the Google example. One of the loveliest things of many years ago, I was uh, doing... Uh, color insights it's a personality test and they gave everybody after we had discussed the styles and all the rest of it they gave everyone a name tag that went on their desk when everyone went back to the office that was in one of the colors and it was really really simple it kept the discussion going in on in that business for many many months and that so that was when people would really start to understand each other's styles and automatically just go ah yeah you're red be bright be brief be gone boom do, do you um do do you believe that the tools that you see I, there's crystal nose for example that you can add to LinkedIn that will analyze someone's profile or you can add your emails that analyze their writing and it will tell you their style and how to engage with them do you think that's a useful tool? I have never used, heard of that. Yeah. Sorry, Jen, go on. Jen yeah. was saying she hasn't heard of <laughs> hasn't heard of it. I quite like them, I've got to say. Um, and a lot of the time, 
they seem to be right but that also means a lot of the time they're not completely right so <laughs> so again use it as a quick guide and then then develop it from there great I, I, one thing i want to say about those things that john you said where you you know say who you are some people push back on that again they don't want the label but mm. i think the greatest use i've seen of those is we can laugh you know, laughter is the shortest distance between two people. It was uh, comedian Victor Borger said that years ago. And I find the most healthy teams, and we've seen this in studies on psychological safety, are able to laugh. So I remember one person used to say to me, I have, on Myers-Briggs, she said, I don't have any F in me whatsoever today, Jennifer. So to, please don't come and make any chit chat. <laughs> you know, and we laughed about it because she was, she was serious. I'm glad I didn't. She probably would have bit my head off. But um <laughs> You know, we can we can make fun of our own personalities and, and be self-disclosive that way and laugh. And that comes back to what John was saying about communicate your personality to other people. If you understand you, what you need, communicate it to other people. And the, it, it becomes, I guess, a virtuous circle because the more you communicate that, the closer the trust, the closer the relationship, which means the more you can communicate it and the more you understand it. And it's about getting to that into that cycle in the first place um, and, and having an open conversation can help doing do that. Well, hopefully this discussion will help trigger some conversations and some thoughts along those lines uh jen and john i had to get jen and john in there at some point jen and john thank you thank you so much for your contribution uh and thanks for joining me on the connected leadership podcast it's been brilliant thank you total pleasure, total pleasure on my part so thank you very much to both Jennifer and to John for their contributions. I think there was a real thread there of getting to know individuals and focusing on that person. I, I think John put it across really well that we it's useful to have the introvert, extrovert spectrum, if you like, as a, a guide, as a way of understanding that people are different and behave differently in different circumstances and have different needs in terms of what energizes them. But once we understand that that spectrum, that scale exists, use it as a guide, but still focus on the individual there. So I hope that was a useful discussion for you. If you find it so, please do share this with colleagues at your work. If you have an internal social network, you could post a link on that would be fantastic. Uh, share it on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, wherever uh, you feel that people will see it and, and benefit from it. Uh, and of course, subscribe and come again soon for another episode of the Connected Leadership Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Connected Leadership Podcast. If you found this valuable, please subscribe, tell your colleagues and friends, share on social media, and post a review on the podcast channel you use to listen to it. And of course, join us again soon for another interesting interview and great connected leadership tips.